0: Welcome to Lawyers Who Lead, a podcast that challenges the notion that the law lags behind. I'm your host, Seagal Barnes. Each week, I invite a lawyer who's making powerful changes through extraordinary leadership. In each episode, we'll travel through another lawyer's life, identify what they do best, and then devise how to apply these concepts to your own world. So let's get to it. Welcome to Lawyers Who Lead. I'm your host, Seagal Barnes. As a reminder to all of our listeners, this week is a bunch of fantastic short-form interviews live with leaders from NALP's 2023 PDI Conference in Washington, D.C. We will be returning back to our original episode programming starting next week, but please enjoy these episodes as there's a ton of great insights. So without further ado, let's welcome Isaiah Whedon, Shepard Mullins Director of Litigation Training. Isaiah supports attorneys firm-wide and is involved in recruiting, community service, and diversity initiatives. So let's get right into the interview recorded live at the conference right now. Isaiah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, I'm very excited to hear your story. So Mm. let's get into it. Tell me, how did you get to where you are today? What is your origin story?
1: (laughs) Uh, My origin story is I started out as a young lawyer at uh, at a, a smaller law firm and got immediately thrown into the deep end. And it was a great experience to sort that out. It was also a terrifying experience. And I left there about three years into my career and went to Shepard Mullen to work in their business trials practice group. And I've spent now I've been there for seventeen years. And in January of just this past year I took on a new position as the director of litigation training. And I think it made sense for me to take that on for a number of reasons. I'd been heavily involved in the recruiting program for Shepherd Mullen's Orange County office for about 10 years. I I guess I co-led that group and had been taking every opportunity that I could to be involved in the training program at Shepherd Mullen, presenting on various topics and participating in our various academies, something I really enjoyed doing. And I thought maybe I should do more of that. And it's been great so far.
0: And how long have you been doing this now?
1: Not even quite a year. Uh, It'll be a year starting in January.
0: What are some of the things that you've learned in the past year doing this?
1: You know, one, I I learned about kind of this whole professional development community. This is only my second NALP conference. I I went to my first one, the annual education conference in Vancouver back last spring, and it was truly an eye-opener. I didn't know that this community was out there. In a lot of ways, I feel like I found my tribe because they were talking about all these things that I was totally interested in. It was tough to choose when you had concurrent panels running which one I was going to go to. And and, and I was the nerd trying to strategize with my fellow Shepherd Mullen people, trying to say, all right, we got to get complete coverage here.
0: (laughs) But that's when you know that there's really excellent content when you really want to be at two or three places at the same time.
1: Absolutely. That was an eye opener for me. And it's been great networking with been able to talk in depth with professors at great law schools, other firm professional development folks, and exchange ideas, and it's a really open and welcoming community. I really enjoyed becoming a part of it, and it's given me a lot of fodder and ideas for how to design and execute our own training program at Jepper Mallon.
0: Excellent. Can you share a little bit about, about what you're doing?
1: Sure. One of the things we were talking about was the the panel we did yesterday with Great Expectations. It was moderated by Thine. And we the program we were talking about was the design of our practice group benchmarks, and we're getting ready to start rolling those out with our individual practice groups. And it was basically a, a really in-depth drill down into, okay, what are the skills that you need to be a successful litigator? Um, and... It wasn't just a, a, a laundry list. It was broken out by associate level, so that uh, you know each skill had a uh, first through third year associate level a, a description of what you should be mastering, and then a uh, fourth through sixth year uh, description, and then a seventh and eighth years uh, associate description of, of what level you should have attained by them mm. ideally. It, it's not by any means a checklist. We, we, when we t- uh, roll it out, we want to assure people that look, this isn't a absolute shopping list that you have to hit all of these marks at exactly the time we say it. It's going to have some variance. It's going to have some practice specificity. We have teams in our litigation group that very rarely if ever go to trial just because of the nature of their practice. So uh, an associate in that, uh, working for that team should not freak out if they're not necessarily achieving some of the trial practice benchmarks that we've set out there because it's not part of their practice. But at the same time, we think it's a fantastic new basically street map for how to get from point A to point B in terms of your mastery of the skills that you need. And we hope that it will have a, a couple of helpful things here. First, for the evaluation process. From both sides, frankly, the new the, the associates will be able to better understand what they should be working to achieve in terms of their mastery of skills. And the evaluators themselves will also have now this common language that they'll be able to evaluate associates on and give directed feedback. Sometimes the feedback that, that you get during the evaluation process is not as specific as you like and not as actionable as you yes. like. And we think that by providing these benchmarks that the evaluators are really going to have a much better sense of, okay, this is something that I need to suggest that they work on. This is something I think they've mastered. We don't need to worry about that. Let's give them some direction on, on what they should be seeking out in terms of work. And also, as the partner who is responsible for feeding them work, I'll be able to be more conscious of opportunities to give them so that they can work on these skills.
0: And also you're able to assess what they've been excelling in and then also providing them that kind of positive reinforcement on the things that they're doing well.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. We practice the one plus one at at Shepard Mullen. Uh, Tell me something I did well and then tell me something that's a developmental opportunity for me.
0: I love that phrasing. So as far as the skills are concerned, how are those skills determined? Is that on like a high level executive leadership level? Do you work with practice group leaders? How does that work?
1: We work directly with practice group Mm -hmm. leaders to do that. And that's where Thine was really helpful. Because they have done this before and are able to ask the right questions uh, of senior leadership who probably hasn't participated in this type of exercise before and so needs to understand why we're doing it and then they can get on board and really provide some detailed feedback about what they do in their practice, and Thine helps them take that, synthesize it, and break it down into those different associate levels so that you have that progressive map.
0: So it seems like you've really been doing excellent things, a lot of learning, a lot of soon-to-be implementing, um, really kind of immersing yourself in the community. Right. Based on all of this experience, what is leadership and law, as well as leadership and professional development? mean to you?
1: I think the cliche about law and the law firms is that we're, in general, maybe a little bit slower to adapt and a little bit slower to innovate. I think there's a good reason for that. I think practicing law, just as a standalone profession, is extraordinarily challenging. And to do it at a really high level requires an extraordinary amount of effort. And so, you know, how much of your neural capacity is left over to actually think about we can improve on these business processes or or what have you. So, um, you know, I'm still weaning myself off of being a practicing attorney. I'm almost there so that I can focus on this full time. And I think that my role in particular is to take what I've learned over about 20 years of being a practicing litigator, learn as much as I can about how to teach better, how to engage associates that are younger than I am in, in, in terms of the educational process and get them invested in it and excited about it and come up with best practices for how to teach that cohort become successful lawyers.
0: Excellent. I like that because that really makes... Any good leader, regardless of the industry that you're in, is getting them to be invested and excited, which is not easy (laughs) when you're busy and you have a lot of things going on and a lot of clients. And then in addition to that, making sure that you're following through, right? You're not like implementing a process and then saying, okay, bye. That follow through, I think is really important to show people that you're not just implementing a process without really investing in it.
1: That's exactly right. And the point isn't to set something up and then let it run and leave it alone. The point is to continue to tweak it, continue to innovate, take new things that you learn from these types of conferences and bring those back and add them. If something isn't working, adjust it or tear it down and, and build it back up. Whatever you need to do to get whatever that aspect of that is underperforming to get it to be at a high performing level.
0: So with all the things that you're doing, what do you do for self-care?
1: I've got a family. I've got a 17-year-old and a 14-year-old daughter and a wonderful wife and a dog and three cats. Amazing. Uh, Three acceptable cats. (laughs) And so uh, I I get a lot of joy from hanging out with them. Mm -hmm. Both of my kids are musicians, so I get to go to their performances. Awesome. Uh, My daughter is a, a club water polo player, so I spend a lot of time on the pool deck. And I like to cook. Um, oh. I, I really, really like to cook for other people. It is, I've heard stand-up comedians talk about how there's nothing quite like comedy to get that immediate feedback from the audience, mm-hmm. the laugh and everything like that. And for me, uh, cooking is a similar experience because I, I like to think I've gotten pretty good at it. And uh, watching people enjoy my food is that sort of feedback.
0: Yes. What is like one of the things that you love
1: to cook the most? I've gotten really good at gumbo.
0: My, my wife's family
1: is Creole. When I, I met her, I you know met her big Creole family and learned that gumbo is a, is a Christmas dish. So, yeah, I've gotten pretty good at making gumbo.
0: That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Isaiah, for being on the show. If anyone wanted to reach out and connect with you, what's the best way they can do that?
1: The best way to get me is my email at Shepherd Mullen. My bio is on the firm website, but my email is iweeden at shepherdmullen.com.
0: Thank you so much, Isaiah. This was wonderful. It was great talking to you. To get the special offer, check out Lawline for the best content for leaders and future leaders in legal.